Lord Jesus, we open our hearts to receive your word today. Holy Spirit, we open our souls and our bodies to receive your presence. God, our Father and our Creator, we give ourselves to you knowing that you created us to be something particular, to be your image bearers here on earth. And so as we listen to your word today, we pray that you will make very clear to us the thing you would like us to hear from you. May we be open to receive your word, and may we seek to live for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We turn together one more time to Colossians chapter 3. If you are you looking in your green Bibles and don't remember what page we're on, we're in the New Testament, so the second set of page numbers on page 156, I believe. Colossians chapter 3. And just because this is the last Sunday, we're going to read it together for a little while. doesn't mean it's the last Sunday you have to read it together. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self and its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves in love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with, as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs 
to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the word of the Lord. So whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So all of the ways that we have been united with Christ in dying and putting to death the old self and being rescued from the rule of sin and evil and being welcomed as we rise to new life with Jesus, to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom where Christ rules not only on earth but in our hearts, being united with Jesus as He ascended to heaven and being welcomed in the throne room of God and being part of His glory being revealed here on earth as we live our lives. Whatever we do, in word or deed, we do it in the name of Jesus because we are united with Christ. And we do it thankfully. For those of us who grew up studying the Heidelberg Catechism, which is probably not just me, we will be very keen to say that we learned very strongly that obeying the law of God is an act of gratitude. Doing the will of God, obeying all of His commandments is what we do to show that we are thankful for the gift that he has given us, which is forgiveness for when we fail, which is the gift of life eternal with him, with thankfulness and gratitude in our hearts. We give to God the gift he told us he really wanted, which is obedience and devotion and fear of the Lord known in awe and respect and worship, and praise. So let's study together what it means to do this kind of good from the Heidelberg Catechism. We're just going to make our way through here. Do you have your inserts in the worship folders there? We're going to start with question and answer 86. We do good not because it earns us anything, but because we do know that when Christ returns, we are going to have a conversation with him, right, about our lives and how we lived. And this is the sort of stuff that we're going to talk to him about. So we have been delivered from our misery by God's grace alone through Christ, and not because we have earned it. So why? Why does it matter? Why do we still do good? To be sure, Christ has redeemed us by his blood But we do good because Christ, by His Spirit, is also renewing us to be like Himself. So that in all our living, we may show that we are thankful to God for all He has done for us. And so that He may be praised through us. And we do good so that we may be assured of our faith by its fruits. And so that by our godly living, our neighbors may be won over to Christ. So the same God who has united us with the power and the effects of Christ's death, 
resurrection, ascension, and return is the same God who is living inside of us. The same power that has transformed the world and its story is transforming your life. The same God is making us to be more like God. So that, number one, in all of our living, we may show how thankful we are to be united with Him. To be united with all that Jesus has done for us. And so that He may be praised through us. So that as we put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its Creator, its creator who is Jesus, Jesus is praised through our compassion, our kindness, our humility, our meekness. Did I say patience? Our patience. When we do these things, we praise God through our our work, our deeds. And not just our words. And we do good so that we can be assured that it is God who is ruling and reigning in our lives. That it is that powerful presence of the Holy Spirit who rose Jesus from the dead that is inside of us. And we have the fruit of the Spirit showing itself through these things. They are our guarantee of the presence of God with us. Just as Jesus is our guarantee of all the promises of the Father, the Spirit with us and the fruit of that Spirit is our guarantee that God is still with us. And when we live that way, in word and deed, our neighbors just may be won over to Christ. For they see us living a different way. Now consider that the biggest complaint against the church today is that it's full of hypocrites. People who judge and set a standard of living on others that they themselves do not live up to. Consider the witness of a community who seeks to live this beautiful new self. And ask for forgiveness in the times that they fail. It's a lot harder to let this be our story in our daily living. With the neighbors that are closest to us and sometimes the neighbors that are in our own house. Than it is, for most of us anyway, to go to faraway places and spread the gospel. We are all called to be missionaries and it's not just to the faraway places but it's in our daily living and not only our word, but our deed that we show the glory of God. It's in our daily living that we reveal the glory of Jesus. It is in our daily living that we are thin places of our ascended King shining out into the world. It is not only in our word, but also in our deed. For all that we do is done in the name 
of the Lord Jesus. And that's why we spend time in confession, because how many times is that actually true? It is not always the case, is it? And so we spend time talking to God about those times where we have not shown his glory so that the Holy Spirit can remind us that God is with us and has forgiven us for those failures and continues to invite us into his kingdom building here on earth. So how do we know what the good is? We've talked a lot about good actions, right? But how do we know? Good is such a large term. I mean, we all know good people, right, who don't know Jesus, who aren't doing their good because they are doing it in the name of the Lord. They're just doing good because they're good people. Well, good to God, has a very specific definition. And we're going to talk about good in the sense of the kind of conversation the followers of Jesus have with God when he returns to earth at his second coming. Because we hear in Hebrews 11, verse 6, in that hallway of faith story, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we're talking about a very specific kind of good. The kind of good that pleases God. Okay? Now you and I... Oh, I'm going to hold on. I want to, I want to read the question and answer first. So question and answer 91. What do we do that is good? Only that which arises out of true faith conforms to God's law and is done for his glory and not that which is based on what we think is right or on established human tradition. So we can't use cultural norms or values, although sometimes they line up very nicely, right? When we think about what God defines as good. We have to use what God has given to us to define what is good in God's eyes. So that which arises out of true faith, that which arises out of being united with Christ, that glorious mystery we've been spending the last five weeks talking about, that which conforms to the law of God, which we read all over the pages of Scripture, where God describes to us the gift that he would like to receive from us in the way that we live our lives. Do you? My love language is gifts, so this is maybe why I talk a lot about this gift thing. But sometimes I want to tell people exactly what I want so that I get exactly what I want, right? (laughs) And that's what God does in Scripture. He describes to us what he wants from us. He describes to us what he wants from us all over the pages of Scripture. And sometimes he even makes it even clearer by making them laws or commands, which we'll get to in a minute. This is God telling us the gift he would like to receive, the thank you gift he would like to receive from us. And what is good? is actions that are done for his glory. 
actions that reveal his character and his goodness in the world. And so, yes, true good comes from a place of faith. But there's also this sense in which God's good comes from places that have no faith. Because they are still showing God's glory. You and I can interpret them as good for God because they are done by image bearers of God who still carry within them signs of God's character and goodness. And so when we see other people doing good, we still give God the glory for their good. And we remember that we will talk to God about the good that we do the ways in which we have revealed his glory. So what does this picture of how God would have us live and give this gift to him look like? Well, the Heidelberg Catechism says that the law of God in the Ten Commandments is a pretty good summary. So let's read those together. Think of these as the indirect action that we take to put ourselves in a posture to receive the direct action of God's grace in our lives. Going back to that very first sermon of the new year. What does the Lord say in his law? God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So that's a summary of the kind of life that God would have us live. Just as Colossians 3, 1 to 17 is a summary of the kind of life that God would have us live. 
as a gift, as a thank you gift to him. And we see, we see how they line up. You should not bow down or have other gods before God because in all of the activities that are described in Colossians 3 that are bad, that belong to that old way of living, you make yourself God. You become selfish to the point of objectifying other people for your personal gain. Greed, which is idolatry, the text says. Fornication, where you objectify a partner or another human being for your sexual pleasure, which is the same thing as passion. Impurity, where you seek to harm another by thought or deed instead of living the righteous life. Malice and anger, abuse, which show themselves in commands like you shall not murder, honor your father and mother, committing adultery, stealing is another part of greed. Abusive language is another part of murdering. Slandering and lying to one another is about giving false testimony against your neighbor. You see how they all kind of work together here to describe an old self and a new self which knows not to do those things? Especially greed. It's all over. Greed, coveting your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife or husband, your neighbor's possessions. But put to death those things and clothe yourselves in the new self which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator, which is being renewed through the work of the Holy Spirit in you to be more like Jesus who was without sin, who kept all of these commandments perfectly and showed us the thank you gift that God desires in his living and who is the one that rules and reigns in your heart not only through the Holy Spirit's presence, but by knowing and listening and doing His Word. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, right? As you clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, patience, meekness, all of those beautiful things that describe the new life with Christ. Now, we would be remiss if we did not talk about one more thing when it comes to the life of thankfulness and the gift of thankfulness to God. Because in relationships, you got to talk with one another. So will you turn with me to question and answer 116? Why do Christians need to pray? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God gives His grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking Him for them. What, I, what this question and answer is trying to say is that if you are with Christ, if you are truly united with Christ and love God above any other person in this whole wide world, you better be talking to him more than you talk to any other person in this whole wide world. Because intimacy only grows by spending 
time together. Think of it this way. Think of the person you love, the person who loves you the most. If that person only ever talked to you when they needed you to do something, how would you feel? How do you feel, however, when that person compliments you and tells you the reasons why they love you? That's right. That's how God feels. Pretty good. How do you feel when that person ignores you and doesn't talk to you at all? How do you feel when that person only shows love with their words or only shows love with their deeds? God desires all of those things from us. Not just us requesting things from Him, but talking to Him as we would talk to the one that we are closest to. Not just when we are going to ask Him for things, but about how our day was. About the reasons why we love Him and worship Him and praise Him. And... God wants to see our love in both word and deed. And so whatever we do, in word or deed, we do it in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Before we continue with our closing songs of worship, we're going to give you a chance to talk to God a little bit. And we'll just take a few minutes, and when you're, when you're ready, you can lead us in song.